Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 173. All right, so much to discuss. I've just been bombarded with Beyonce. Beyonce. I know just a couple of episodes ago I was talking about, and look, I'm still in the beehive. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to get back. (laughs) Don't persecute me, I guess. But apparently a new album is on the way and it will be it it will be released by the end of next month july i'm i'm flabbergasted like i was hearing rumors that she will return with another album and she was um just getting ready and i think you know with every with a lot of beyonce fans and stands there's this um there's some moments where we feel like, okay, well, maybe this is just it. Maybe we just, maybe this is the time when Beyonce says enough. She doesn't want to do this shit anymore. She wants to just be a wife and a mother to her children. And, you know, and we just have to accept it. And I think I was getting to a place where I was accepting it. Like, okay, well, I've had my share of enjoying Beyonce, um, my share of moments of, of enjoying her. I've been to several of her concerts, several, and I've had my fun. I've had my fun. It is what it is, but there's more fun to be had, and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, It's kind of bittersweet, honestly, and not to make it morbid right now, but my dear cousin Joanna, she and I shared this this mutual love for Beyonce, this 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 fandom, this stardom or standum, whatever you want to call it, for Beyonce. So um, her no longer being here on this earth is definitely just, you know, beyond sad, of course. And I, I don't have that person anymore to share this with. So if it hits different, and I think about, like, all the jokes that we could say together about, <laughs> you better start saving your money now, you know, because, you know, the, the how Beyonce is – She'll tell you today, hey, I'm about to drop an album and um, I'm about to drop the concert tickets um, for my next new world tour in uh, 20 minutes. Be ready. <laughs> like, wait, what? I got to pay my rent. Like, it's this whole thing that you literally stop what you're doing to do whatever Beyonce said. Like, there's a spell on me and or there has been one for so long. So... Uh, you know, um, it's it's sad that I don't get to share that with my cousin anymore, but um, she's good. She's good. She's in heaven. She's doing well, you know, I believe. Um, uh, Anyway, but yeah, Beyonce has a new album coming out. It's called Renaissance, and I'm excited. I really like the title. I think the title alone is already a already engaging for me um I love just you know rebirth and just the the meaning behind it the symbolism behind it um feeling just good about like I think everyone experiences moments of transition and I'm not talking about gender (laughs) I'm not talking about gender I'm not talking about like you know stuff like that but I'm talking about just like your identity has a whole, I think oftentimes we get so fixated on, um, what we've been doing within our careers for so long that when we make a shift into some, somewhere new, into something new, 
it it's it's a rebirth. It really is a renaissance. So I think it's exciting. I feel like she's speaking to me. <laughs> Obviously, of course. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And there's some merch that she mysteriously has available for for her fans to purchase. And it's four different boxes. Now, the boxes don't tell exactly what's in either. Um, it also doesn't tell you the differences between box one, box two, box three, and box four. All it says is there's uh, some something to wear. It looks like there's a shirt that is included in the box. It looks like there's a CD because there's like this like symbol of a CD um, that looks like it's included in the box. And I'm like, where the fuck am I gonna play a CD, Beyonce? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And I think my car still has a CD player. I think I've never used it, so I don't even know. But at this point, do I have to now purchase an external CD player just because of Beyonce? And I'll do it. But damn, <laughs> like, can't you just put it, upload it into Apple Music like everybody else? Uh, but anyway, it's the excitement. I think Beyonce knows what she's doing. I think she knows how obsessed her fans are and how we nitpick everything that she does. And we see this as this is a sign that she's going to release um, this type of track or she's going to be more disco-like. There's this new spread that she that she's in, and it's in the British Vogue magazine. And so the pictures are uploaded into her Instagram account. And many of the pictures resemble like this like dark horse energy. Um, someone was making a connection with her and Jacqueline Kennedy. I believe, who was riding a white horse and wearing a red dress and the the uh, the colors match and there's something to that. And I don't know. I don't know. I guess and there, people were trying to say, oh, this, uh, depending on the clothing that she's wearing, it reflects the the type of music that she plans to release. So uh, we already know the album's going to include 16 tracks so maybe most of her songs will be disco-like. And people were saying how <laughs> they do not want Jay-Z on the, on the record. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I kind of don't like about the Beehive. It's just, I get it. You know, Jay-Z cheated on her, and it led to Beyonce creating Lemonade and pulling us into her whirlwind of emotions throughout that album. But Beyonce is still married to this man, right? Like, she is still committed to him. She had his babies since that album. And she is still clearly with him. Like, they're they're in pictures together. They're going on vacations to or they're on vacations together like it's not like it's a strange or a strange marriage it's it's seemingly a, a still close one so i feel like with the beehive there's this 
there's this like commitment to still hate him. And I think, you know, it was funny initially, especially during the time of Lemonade. But being that it's years since that album and they're still married, they're still together, they have three kids together, they're clearly living their life happily from what we could see or from what we could gather like the beehive needs to let it go like just stop it's not that serious and I think people get so like people get so fooled into what they see being released right now you know what I mean like for example I'm talking to y'all right now you're hearing me right now I may talk about something emotional and I'm clearly upset while while you're listening to me at this moment, right? But this moment is based off of when I recorded this episode, right? So I could be feeling whatever feeling that I'm expressing to you in your ears right now, but that feeling is based off of the very moment that I'm recording this episode. So when you see me, maybe tomorrow right if you're you know if you and I have a close relationship where I'm seeing you in real life right (laughs) if you see me tomorrow or whatever tomorrow looks like for you but the point is like when I see you past the recording date of this episode I may not even feel or recognize the feelings that I was portraying on this episode like does that make sense there's no like (laughs) I feel like sometimes people get so they only know what you put out, right? Like, they only know, oh, you was really mad on that episode, or you was really sad here, or you seem very confused, or or really happy, I don't know. But, like, they catch that emotion, right? And then they want to talk about that emotion that you was experiencing, that you was uh, presenting. But I forgot about that emotion by the time you, you're talking to me about it in real life. By the, you know? So I always like to say... And it's not like I don't like to talk about what I talk about on my podcast, like, in real life. Like, if you if you know me in real life. It's just that I really don't remember. I feel like oftentimes when I'm recording, and I know this is now, uh, <laughs> this word is now <laughs> um, offensive, but I'm going to say it. But I feel like when I'm recording, I'm spazzing out, right? Like, I'm not necessarily in a right mind (laughs) like I think it's like I was listening to or watching the flagrant podcast which is is now flagrant it's not flagrant too but shout out to Andrew Schultz he's great um I I was watching the episode one of his recent episodes of the podcast and he was talking oh it was the one with Joe Rogan and he was talking to Rogan about podcasting and because I, I guess Rogan at that time, not I guess, I remember at the time Rogan was kind of like giving him like shit about how he overcomplicated the podcasting field based off of this new studio, whatever. And so they got to a part in the conversation when Andrew was saying how um, podcasting or no comedy. What did he say? Podcasting. But okay, he said comedy, but I, I'm relating it to podcasting as well. But he said comedy when he's doing stand-up is it's a moment when he's temporarily insane. I think he also said it for podcasting too, I think. But either way, he's saying like when he's on set, like on stage, when he's delivering a, a joke and he's painting a scenario for, for his audience, he's not well. <laughs> 
And it's not like he's like, it's some mental condition or it's something that needs to be checked out. It's just, I'm in this moment and in this moment, I'm feeling this and I'm so passionate about this moment and about whatever it is I'm talking about. But as soon as this moment is over, it's over. And that's how it is. And I feel like that applies to Beyonce and what she produces to us, right? So, like, if her album focuses on um, just maybe she's talking shit about Jay-Z again. Maybe he did something crazy to her during their marriage. Maybe he wasn't there. And I'm just taking this out of my head, right? This is not true from what I know, right? But maybe he wasn't there for a lot of the upbringing of their of their twins, right? And so she's talking about it. She's using her music as therapy to get through it. And then they work through it, and now they're together. But the point is, she focuses a song on that emotion so much so because that's what she was feeling in that moment. And as watchers and as fans of her work, we sometimes get so fixated on that moment that we're committed to that moment. And it's always fuck Jay-Z, 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 fuck Jay-Z. Salah should have hit him harder. And it's like, but they're good now. Like you should move on as well. And I think this is why it's important um, why we should not tell friends details of our romantic relationship. I feel like oftentimes it's so easy to call a friend when you're mad at your, when you're mad at your man and you know, he did something that pissed you off and you're just going in on him talking hella shit and you're recounting different moments that you felt like he wasn't respecting you. And now your friend is hearing a lot of that. Your friend is your friend and is going to back you up and make you feel like, okay, well, I got your back. And, you know, he's whack for that and we should leave him or you should leave him. And I support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet you stay with your man, right? You still stay with him. And now your friend has to catch up (laughs) your friend has to be like okay well my friend decided to stay with her man despite all the shit that she told me about him I have to just go ahead and play along with it like it's not people think people take things so personal and we have to one create boundaries and two um just not really say much like I think I've learned more more and more into my adulthood to keep my business to myself, right? Like, I could say here and there who, you know, who I'm seeing and, you know, how I'm feeling in this relationship, but ultimately it's within me that my feelings are contained and it's with my, with you know, my partner. So I, I don't feel like we have to divulge too much anymore anyway going back to Beyonce I'm looking forward to her album coming out I think it's gonna be exciting this is this will be her seventh album people are saying already oh this I think I have a feeling it's gonna be her last album and I don't think so I don't really think so I feel like her I, I look I get the number seven being symbolic I think seven means completion um, biblically, I think that's what it represents. So 
I get the oh this this could be it, but I feel like with Beyonce, same thing with Jay Z. Like when Jay Z said he, I remember the first time Jay Z said he's retiring from rap. He didn't retire. He <laughs> produced <clears throat> and released several albums after that first announcement and that second announcement, that third announcement. Like so, this whole idea of retirement—it's just you're you're fooling yourself. You're really not like Beyonce will never. I don't think she will. I really don't think she will. I think if anything, she'll just take a break. And it's not really a break, really. Like, it's a break from releasing music to us. But I think she's always creating something. Um, I think she has always been writing and producing something and putting ideas together, working with her team, like, figuring it out and what she wants to produce. Apparently, a lot of these songs she wrote during the pandemic, during the lockdown, and I think that's exciting. Like, you know, a lot of people got more focused or maybe more lazy during the pandemic, during the lockdown. So looking forward to that. Apparently, Drake is going to release another album very soon. By the time I'm recording this, yeah, by the time I'm recording this, he should have it out by in a couple of hours. So I'm looking forward to that. Drake is a anyway. Let's get on with these topics. We want to just talk uh, about music real quick. Okay, uh, let's get into this recording. Um, that is now surfaced of what DJ Academic said a couple of years ago. Now, look, people don't like to recognize that a smear campaign is real right I think when an artist who or creative who may be more on the controversial side or salacious side of media um when there is a clear orchestrated attack against that person people fail to recognize it as such because oh, well, this artist or this creative <clears throat> is problematic, right? So I remember when Joe Budden was being attacked um, left and right. And y'all know I'm a Joe Venger, but I still, I, I still could look at things objectively. At least I feel like I can. And when Joe Budden was experiencing just a lot of backlash for the whole Rory and Maul breakup and... Um, the kind of breakdown of his network, the, he had two female podcasts on his network and now they're no longer on it. I don't know what happened to the other one, girl, I guess that's the one that's, that's what it's called. It just kind of discontinued and the other podcasts, they're on another network and doing their own thing. And, um, Joe Budden, he has a history of like, I guess, you know, not being too liked, right? He doesn't play fair. He had a lot of feuds with different artists throughout the years. So he made his bet. Like, he, like he's not innocent, for sure. And he said it himself. And I think what I find about him that is so endearing, though, he's honest. And I think with that transparency, it's very um, humbling. It's relatable for me because he's someone who I see is misunderstood oftentimes. And when he does explain himself, I understand him 
like in that level where he is mentally, but a lot of people don't. And I look, I I experienced stuff like that growing up, so I get him on a different level. So I appreciate him. Anyway, <laughs> violence. Um, but the point is, I think though, despite his checkered past, he is still someone who I feel like is a voice that's needed in this world today. And, um, in the business that he's in, I think he is still someone who is definitely valuable. So I, I, I hate that as soon as he points out, the obvious of campaign smears, people are quick to dismiss it because, oh, well, it's Joe Budden, you know, and I hate that shit. And that applies to now DJ Academics. Now, DJ Academics is known for his salacious takes, and I think he's a gamer as well, like a Twitcher or whatever that is. I think he does a games, stuff like that. And because of um, because of the culture of gamers – they're not often respected. <laughs> like, they're not seen as, like, respected people because there's a stereotype painted against gamers. Oh, you live in your mama's basement, you're lazy, you're fat, you smell, um, you're uneducated, you got no money. When, though, I think there's always a slither of truth in stereotypes for some people, for DJ Academics in this case, though, he is not that, like, for, for the most part, from what I could tell. Like, he obviously is making money from gaming, from doing his commentary, from um, just the work that he's been doing in the in the media business. I think that is something that is ruffling a lot of people's feathers in just a negative way because he's not someone who people feel like deserves to get success right he's not this like politically correct character he's not like well put together like he doesn't really fit that box and again I like shit like that so (laughs) shout out to academics but anyway he's been uh speaking a lot of truth to power and that's what I think is the reason why this audio has now pop up out of nowhere and I'm gonna go ahead and play it but I'm going to paint the picture first. So prior to this audio going viral now, he was, academics has been talking relentlessly about the Megan the Stallion case against Tory Lanez and how allegedly Tory Lanez shot her. I think it was like a couple of years, I don't know, two years ago now. And um, as soon as that happened and there was this like sketchy video that was released of the of the event Tory Lanez was canceled and people were clearly picking sides and not choosing Tory Lanez's side and it was during the movement of when Me Too was still a thing for for women when um <laughs> I'm sorry, um and when black lives mattering was hot and heavy when uh, black women, uh, you know, believe black women uh, was hot and heavy. That was like during the height of that culturally. <laughs> so to have Tory Lanez allegedly shooting Meg the Stallion, it wasn't a good look. So he was canceled for that time being. But since that 
event took place, things were unraveling and it didn't look good for Meg the Stallion. For Meg the Stallion. Instead, what we were seeing were uh, moments when she was not um, being consistent in her storytelling. She was saying she was walking towards him, but there's video that proves otherwise. Um, the laceration that was done on her foot, I think laceration is the right word, but there was some cuts, and she was saying that's due to him shooting her, but... A couple of months ago, a doctor who was, I don't know how he even came about to telling us, because it's not against HIPAA, but either way, there's a doctor, or maybe just a random doctor who looked at the case and looked at the stitching or whatever. He concluded that the stitching has nothing to do with gunshot wounds. Instead, it was just because she stepped on glass. I don't know. Like, a lot of things just sounded sketchy. And allegedly during that time, Tory Lanez and Meg Thee Stallion were messing around. And apparently he was also messing around with her best friend. Meg didn't know that. And that could have been the same night when she found out and things got hot and, you know, heavy in a negative way. And it being that the Jenner house was nearby or they were like on their way to Kylie Jenner's house like somehow the Kardashian Jenner clan a clan got in the middle of it because they were on their way to that house either way (laughs) it was just a moment of what the fuck is going on it wasn't clear and I felt like if it was a clear shot you know or a clear um, just, just accordance of events, then it would explain her accusation. But there was a lot of things done that just did not explain, like, it didn't make any sense. And so now, um, or for a while now, what's his name? Um, academics has been speaking out against it and saying how it doesn't really look like Tory Lanez is guilty for this accusation and it doesn't look like he's like maybe he did something but shooting her he it doesn't seem like he did and of course he as well Tory Lanez denies the claims let's go ahead and get into this audio now that I've painted this picture and the conspiracy is or the campaign smear is said to have been orchestrated by Meg the Stallion's camp because of how much academics has been going against her publicly and being that he has a large following it wasn't to her favor he says um basically that there isn't a difference between a 17 year old and a 20 year old and a 21 year old and that as long as you have a college ID, you're going to get fucked. Uh, I'm laughing because, oh, my gosh. First of all, he said this years ago. So academics is in his 30s now. I think he's 30, exactly 30 or 31, around there. Um, but he said this when he was in his 20s. And um, I think cancel culture is over. I really do. I feel like cancel culture is no longer a thing. Um, 
I don't really think he has anything to worry about. I don't think this is something that's going to like really like make him lose out on money. Like I don't feel like it's a thing anymore. I think um, he'll be just fine. It's just one of those things where, okay, give it a couple of days and people will forget about it unless something else comes into light <laughs> like soon after. But then again, it'll, it'll just be one of those things. Okay. Give it a couple of days and then people will forget about it. But I, I really do believe cancer culture is no longer a big, a big deal anymore. Anyway, I was doing some more research about this, this, uh, statement that he made. That's very, uh, profound. <laughs> and he spoke on it in a recent video. Academics spoke on it in a recent video, and he was trying to paint context to what he was saying. He was saying oftentimes within the institution of a college or even high school as well, but I'm not going to focus on high school because we'll talk about that. But in college, you have seniors dating freshmen and freshmen dating seniors and juniors dating sophomores. Like, you, there's... It's not um, this strict, um, like, idea or mindset around dating and age when you're in college because, hey, we're all college students. Clearly, we're all of age, right? And I get it. 17 is not technically of age, but if you're 17 in college, that means you'll be 18 maybe in a month or two, right? You probably just started college, um a couple of months before your birthday, but it's not going to be this, like, it shouldn't be something that's looked like, like this pedophilic attempt or this grooming uh, thing. And I, I, this is going to sound murky, but I feel like we get so fixated on age oftentimes when it comes to dating in America. And it's not, realistic um I'm just gonna keep it on college because I don't don't like going into it but I think oftentimes you know you're within college like there was a lot of guys I dated in college like um and maybe if you want to make an argument say well isn't it weird how seniors like senior men would purposely look for freshman college girls? Sure, sure, maybe, sure. But to paint it as, like, this grooming thing or – I just – I don't know. I, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I feel like, look, you're of age, consent is consent. It is what it is, right? And people are – in very like large gap relationships like it's not a thing like it's not and I feel like for me just to keep me as an example like I wasn't checking for niggas around my age like I wasn't and I damn sure wasn't checking anyone who was a year younger or two and the one time I did you know like a year or two no like three four years ago now with Church Bay, that was a mistake. Like, I, throughout my dating history, I've only dated older men. Only. Only. Like, it's like, I don't even see younger niggas. I don't even see younger niggas. I really don't. I don't even recognize who they are. Like, what? I, I don't even like talking to men who's exactly my age. 
Like, that, what? Ew. Like, they make men my age? Like, what do you... I don't see that. And that's primarily because, like, we're just not on the same mental... Comp- and this is really no shot to them. Like, it's... Uh, maybe it is. It probably is. It probably is. <laughs> I'm shooting bullets. Um, But it is what it is. I think, you know... I don't feel like young men offer anything. (laughs) I don't feel like young men offer anything. I remember I was talking to a colleague of mine, and I was saying how, like, yeah, I mean, young men really ain't shit. (laughs) That is so funny to me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so funny. No, but what I was saying to him, I was like, I don't often come into contact with men my age or younger and we're on the same path mentally. Like there is a, there is a gap. There is a disconnect. You're dumb. You're dumb. No, like it's dumb. Like it's, and it's just like, that's just what it is because that's where you are age wise. And oftentimes, you know, men don't grow you know, they say, what's the stereotype? Like, and I think it's the truth, but like women or young girls, right? They mature more than the boys, more than their counterparts. And they like, they mature mentally, girls do, than boys. So like, imagine being a young girl and you're talking to your peer who's a boy And he's really a toddler mentally. Like there's a disconnect, which is why I feel like a lot of women tend to flock towards older men because they meet each other mentally. Like there is a connection there. Like, oh, wow, finally. And it takes for a woman to date someone who's older than her to to make that match and connection because that's just how things are biologically. Like, there's a science to it, y'all. Like, biologically, boys mature less than girls. There is a mental disconnect. So women have to, like, we have to date older men unless we want to deal with the baby. You know, unless that's the vibe, you know, like, unless, which I don't understand. Like, I think oftentimes Women who are older, um, you know, of a particular age, and they purposely date younger men, it's oftentimes to control them. It's oftentimes to kind of flex on them, to, you know, use them just for sex, which, you know, whatever, that's your prerogative, but it's not done in a sense to, I want to build with this guy. Like, (laughs) what the fuck, you build it with a a 24-year-old and you're 48? woman like what are you doing like that's not the thing to do but um you know yeah that's not the thing to do because women are more mat- uh, mature mentally and emotionally well maybe not emotionally but <laughs> i think men are a little bit more mature <laughs> Emo- at least older men some older men are emotionally um some some 
But yeah, I, I ultimately I think when older women are dating younger men is simply to have fun. The the younger man is obviously going to be young in his maturity. So you just see him has a good time. I'm just going to go have fun. We're going to go travel, but he can't really protect me. Like he can't Anyway, I remember talking to my colleague about that I was like yeah you know like guys younger or around my age are just corny as fuck <laughs> like hello just corny as fuck like and it's and I mean corny as in like mentally corny and I also mean corny as in like they don't know how to be a man like that's that's what I said to him I'm like they don't know how to be a man they don't know how to like stand in their manhood they don't know how to like just be the aggressor, but I like I don't mean aggressive in a, in a negative connotation. I mean it as, no, you're a man. Stand in what you say. Don't like teeter tatter. Don't don't acquiesce to what the the status quo say. I want you to be that nigga, right? And I think oftentimes, especially in the world that we're in. People are quick to waver and appease others because they don't want to get canceled or they don't want to be looked like as the bad guy. And that right there is not what I see and what I desire in a man. So, yeah, and so I was telling that to a colleague of mine a while ago. And he's like, oh, I, I know plenty of men around my age who's mature and blah, blah, blah. like, shut up. That right there tells me you don't. Shut up. Like, do you even know what I'm talking about? Do you know, like, do, do you, did you hear what I said? I want a nigga. You know, like, that's not, what are you talking about? Oh, I don't. No, you don't. Like, you can't even define what that is. Like, you don't know what I'm talking about. Because it's, it's niggas like you who fail to recognize what I'm saying and are so quick to say, there's plenty of mature. Like, and I think to them, I think men like him think mature means, oh, well, he has a job. You know, he pays his phone bill. He lives on his own. Or maybe he has roommates. Like, they think that's enough to make up the maturity that I'm, that, that I feel is lacking in um, men around my age. And I feel like, no, that right there tells me enough that you don't get it. You don't fucking get it. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> okay, academics. What, what were we talking about? Okay. Okay, so... <clears throat> 17, 20, 21. Okay, obviously there's a difference as far as, like, you know, legalities. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a little difference there. But I just think, look, we get so, like, like we get, like, sticklers about it, you know? Like, think about it like this. If a high school student, think about two, two you know, boy and a girl, they went to high school together. He's a year older. She's a year younger, right? He's a senior in high school. She's a junior in high school. He turned 18 before she did, and he started in college before she did. And she's still 17, but she will be 18 maybe in like six months, okay? But during those six months, now he's a college freshman, and she's a high school senior. 
they're technically they're not legally supposed to be together and obviously they're having sex because that's what a lot of high school students are doing people fail to recognize that sometimes um does that mean it's immediately statutory rape right but they were together before he turned 18 they were together when they were both underage Right. And so the underage part doesn't even matter because they both match that underage bracket. So just because he turned 18 six months later or six months um, earlier to when she turns 18, should he automatically be painted as a predator, as a rapist? Oh my, like, but they've been fucking before when they were 15, 16. Like, what does that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, people get so quick to say, oh, he's a predator, he's a predator. And I, like, academics didn't get into that part of the conversation. Obviously, I'm taking it there because this is something that is still within those lines and it gets blurry at times. Now, what I don't like, though, is within a high school context, if you're a high school senior and you're purposely seeking out a high school freshman, that's weird. That's weird, and I don't approve of that. Um, and I feel like, you know, oftentimes you're a high school senior, you're either 17 or 17 or 18, the freshman is 13 or 14. Like, that's a huge difference. Um, and it's uncomfortable. I feel like that's a little weird and I don't approve of that. Like whenever, um, well, I I don't think I've, um, necessarily witnessed relationships like that, that I knew of, or maybe I was naive to it, but I never approve of that. Like I, that was never my thing where I'm like, Oh, that's so cute. Right. So no, not at all. But like if they were just a year apart and they just grew in high school together, um, and he started college earlier than she did. It's not, I don't think it's fair to just put on that predator thing because it's just ridiculous. Like we have to look at things for what they are. I remember watching something on TV about this guy. He was dating this, this young boy. He was dating his girlfriend and his father. Well, her father disapproved of him. And because he was a year older or a couple of months older, as soon as they turned, as soon as he turned 18, he called the cops and was like, oh, he raped my daughter. And it just became its whole thing. And because of the fact that they were in a romantic relationship and it was obvious they were having sex or exchanging sexual innuendos to each other um, via text the cops or the lawyer, the prosecutor was able to use that evidence or use that as evidence to prove that he was intimate sexually within, with, with a minor, with an underage person. And um, the, the father was obviously happy with that because he was the one who started it all and decided to bring the cops into it because he just simply uh, did not approve of their relationship. And he saw this as an opportunity to go ahead and and separate them. So now this 18-year-old who's 19 now, who's 20 now, he has a record. 
he is now labeled as a sex offender and now is on his record and now he has to figure out how, <clears throat> how can he support himself in this world with that label on him. And I, look, I'm not trying to like cop for sex offenders or not at all. It's just I think sometimes when we're so quick to put that label on someone and we fail to even recognize the nuance of it and we fail to recognize, hey, this was a this was a consensual relationship. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, sometimes like young girls be like, no, I loved him. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like he was also underage, <laughs> right? Like both of them was underage. He just happened to turn 18 six months after or six months earlier than her. Does that, like, that shouldn't make him a sexual predator. It shouldn't automatically label him as such. And now his life is ruined because you disapprove the relationship. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, go back to this quote. I think this all came about because of this um, campaign smear that I feel like is happening um, to kind of discredit and discourage academics from speaking out and against Meg the Stallion. He's been using a lot of different um, facts, or what seems to be facts at least, to prove why we really shouldn't trust what Meg the Stallion is saying. She doesn't really seem um, reliable or truthful in her accusation like it doesn't really make sense and he's been spotting and he's been like uh saying that very clearly in his videos that I that I've seen on on YouTube so because of his strong following that brings traction and it makes us now look at Mega Stallion very very uh disapprovingly at least so I don't know I just think ultimately this was a was a campaign smear. Um, academics cleared it up or tried to clear it up, and I'm glad that he wasn't like trying to like, please don't cancel me. Like he wasn't trying to uh, like immediately apologize or you know bitch. Like you know how sometimes when people catch you said some, that you said that wasn't politically correct. And now you want to apologize and go on a tour. Like he went, he went the Kevin Hart route with it all. And I say Kevin Hart route because remember when Kevin Hart was supposed to host the Oscars, but the Oscars said, we're not going to let you host unless you apologize for a joke that you made 10 years ago from that time um, that that were seen to be homophobic and the joke was about I'm just gonna like summarize it it was about how if Kevin Hart found out that his son was gay he'll beat him up and he's saying his son shouldn't play with G.I. Jane or like you know girl dolls and so that's that joke resurfaced during the time when Kevin Hart was supposed to host the Oscars and Kevin Hart already apologized for that joke and how it was offensive and um he apologized prior to the oscars forcing him to or wanting him to and being that the oscars wanted him to apologize again or do it now that we told you to do it kevin hart was like no fuck that like i i'm not doing that i've already said what i said i've already recognized the error of my joke of my ways which i still feel kind of like I don't think you should apologize for jokes, but whatever. Um, 
I think ultimately they were trying to just control him like a doll, like a little bitch ass doll. So I'm happy that academics did not feel like he needed to to um just kind of follow suits just because he was afraid. Like, don't let ni- these niggas bully you. Fuck these niggas. Okay, let's move on. So, what else? Okay, Simone Sanders. Let's talk about Simone Sanders for a moment. Simone Sanders was one of uh, Biden's former aides. She was helpful during his administration, and she helped out with Kamala. I'm saying helpful very, like, lightly. I don't really know (laughs) what she was helpful with. But I just remember her face because she's a black woman, and you don't see a lot of black women, excuse me, in that position. So I remember her her face, and apparently she was a top aide during uh, the Biden administration that is unfortunately still happening. Yes. Okay, so she says verbatim that the insurrection, if people basically don't recognize or pay attention to the insurrection that took place January 6th, then gas prices won't matter because people will live under martial law. And she was saying how, uh, let's see, what she is doing matters. It matters for our democracy. Basically, she was saying how we shouldn't care. Yeah, she said, mm-hmm, the gas won't matter if an, insection, if an insurrection is successful and y'all living under martial law. Now, I'm excuse my ignorance, but what the fuck is a martial law? What does that mean? So a mar- okay, mil- okay, I knew I I knew it. Okay, martial law. Why can't you just say military law? <laughs> the fuck, martial. Because when I think of martial, I think of like Marxist. That's what I think. So I'm like, oh, let me clarify. Anyway, so martial law is it is involving the temporary substitution of military authority for civilian rule and is usually invoked in time of war rebellion or natural disaster when martial law is in effect the military commander of an area or country has unlimited authority to make and enforce laws well the fuck biden is not doing anything so maybe martial law is fine (laughs) Um, when martial law is declared, civil liber- civil liberties such as the right to free movement, free speech, or protection from unreasonable searches can be suspended. Interesting. Okay, well, I mean, basically, Canada's that. Canada's under martial law. You got Trudeau telling you what you can or cannot do. You can't bear arms if you're trying to um, protect yourself. Yet he said, yeah, that's not actually in accordance to Canadian law. I know they don't have a constitution over there like we do in America, but within their law or their form of constitution, that's untrue. You can carry a weapon simply for self-protection and self-preservation. You don't necessarily have to carry a weapon, a gun in particular, solely for hunting. So that's what Trudeau was trying to say. And um, I think also in Canada, if you are salacious against the government there, 
and you're doing it in a at a large platform, your life could be in danger. Like the whole system there is really fucked up. So I think it's already martial law over there. Let's see. Has the U.S. ever had martial law? Uh, martial law has been used in a limited number of circumstances, such as uh, New Orleans during the Battle of New Orleans. Right. Okay. I remember that. Um, Chicago Fire of 1871. Okay. So. Around then. Now, Simone Sanders is thinking that because of the insurrection that took place January 6th last year, 2021, that this could incite martial law to take into effect. And that's why people should care about January 6th. Now, I feel like January 6th was concocted. I don't really feel like it was something that really was, um, what's the word? Truth. (laughs) Truth. Can we start there? Um, Because it's just the way that it took place just is laughable. Like how you have limited security at the White White House. It was the White House, right? Or the Senate? Yeah, the White House. And um, you, you, um, you're able to enter, you're able to sit on the throne <laughs> and wear this Viking's hat and <laughs> nothing, like, what What are you talking about? It just felt so just eerily weird. Like, something was eerie about it. I really don't know what to make of it. Um, I don't know. And it seems like Maybe I think definitely there were people in the inside who were involved for them to be able to have access. Like it, it makes no sense to me how they were able to enter. Where's the secu- like? There's no security. There's no security in schools. There's no security at the White House. There's no sec- at the Capitol. That's where they were at. There's no security at the Capitol. Like what? What? And y'all, y'all don't want us to have guns. Or Jor Behar doesn't want us to have guns. <laughs> um, okay, rioters had overrun law enforcement in the U.S. Capitol, just 40 feet from the vice president of the United States and his team in hearing, yada, yada, yada. Let's see. Had hence not rebuffed the pressure, the country would have been thrown into chaos. The pressure came from the top. Okay, either way, the point is Simone Sanders wants us to not care about the gas prices and instead care about this hearing. And I think people fail to realize that you could do two things at once. I think if you care about this hearing, which I think is, okay, sure, you could care about it. You could care to want to hold these vigilantes accountable and hopefully consequences are had that are appropriate. Sure. But you could also very much care for the fact that gas is $7. Hello? In Cali, last time I heard it was 7 or $8 there. And gas is $4.86 here. You know, some places I think I saw $5. So I'm beginning to care a little bit more about it's leaning towards a gas than I do January 6th. And it's not to say that the hearings of January 6th may not affect me somewhere down the line, right? Maybe it'll, you know, like Simone Sanders is fear-mongering to us, maybe it'll lead to 
um, a martial law taken into effect. But ultimately, what's going on right now and what has been going on even before Ukraine invasion is these gas prices just just hiking up these gas prices really take into effect okay like i put 45 dollars into my car for gas just for it to not fill up like it usually does and so for this to not be seen as a big deal and people within these these high positions of power are dismissing the the worry and the concerns of the people from being able to gas their car so that they could get to work so that they could make their necessary travels daily is very disrespectful at the at the very least it's very disrespectful because people are not easily able to to make the expense for gas and there are other things that they need to get done. So they have to really determine, do I really want to go out today or do I really need to get this today? I need to save my gas up until, you know, a couple of days. And it's just, it's very unfortunate. Not everyone is fortunate enough to work from home. Um, not everyone has, you know, just an abundant amount of money that they, that this is not even a big deal to them. Like this is not, something to be dismissive about and for people like Simone Sanders as well as another person in that um stratosphere this is a woman who was saying how well she's happy she got a Tesla and she doesn't have to worry about uh, fueling her car anymore because now she has an electric car and it's like but bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, go ahead, y'all. Y'all could be mad, but I'm good. Like, it's just very, it's very dismissive. People, it's just a laughable thing. And ultimately, you know, you, you know, you suck it up and you just get the gas, of course. But to act like this is not a problem and to act like Joe Biden shouldn't be doing more about it and to act like it's only a, a fault of, of Putin, like suddenly we're just blaming someone else for for this. When this, if you go back to, I remember seeing a chart not too long ago of what was gas prices like during the Trump administration and even the Obama administration, even the George Bush administration. It was never this high. It was never this high. And there was a point during the Bush administration, it was just like $3 max. Max, and you know, at that time, that was still like, oh wait, what, what's going on? So for people to act like the eight, seven dollars that is now of a norm in certain areas in America, for people to act like it's not a big deal, people who are in places where change could happen to make this better, for them to act like it's not a big deal and for them to dismissively say, oh, just go get a Tesla, get an electric vehicle. Like, not everyone is able to do that, obviously. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Shout out to Joe Biden. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't like that. So, Simone Sanders is wiggity whack for that comment. Again, I think two things can be done. You could care about the January 6th hearings and you could care about holding people accountable to mark down these gas prices. Okay, 
Next, let's talk about the red, <laughs> the red. <laughs> like sometimes my, my, my tongue hangs out more than my mouth. <laughs> Does that mean something? Anyway, the red wave, the red rave is coming. Say that five times. Red rave, red rave. That's hard. Anyway, the red rave is coming. I wrote this down in my notes. <laughs> That was a funny title, but I say this because Republicans are making a comeback in Texas, in a particular region in Texas. Um, apparently, this region was controlled by Democrats by Democrats for the past 150 years. Like, what the fuck? How long is... What? Um, let's see if it tells us where exactly, but let me go ahead and read this. So Myra Flores is a Republican and she is Hispanic or like AOC would prefer for us to say Latin X. (laughs) AOC, shut up. What the fuck? So Republican Myra Flores accomplished a feat on Tuesday that Democrats only wish they could imitate. She won a special election for Texas's 34th congressional district, defeating Democrat Dan Sanchez 51% to 43%. She would assume office, or she will assume office this month and will only hold a seat until January. She is a Republican nominee for the general election in November. So guess who I'll be voting for? <laughs> But we'll see. I want to get to know her more and see what she offers and what she's about. But, I mean, I'm really happy that she's not a Democrat at this point. Because Democrats, like, ever since I've been red-pilled, y'all, like, it's really fuck Joe Biden and fuck Democratic Party. It's really that. It's really that. Like, I just, at the very least, I'm not saying I'm a Republican. I'm just saying you have to choose between the two. And nobody gives a fuck about libertarians like that enough for them to make change. Right. So it's unfortunate that you just have to choose between the two. So between the two, I would rather go the way of Republican because my thoughts and views um, are more conservative. They are. And I don't find myself resonating well with the Democratic views. I don't when I look at Democratic views, I put I put it has an umbrella. Right. And underneath it is preferred pronouns bullshit. Underneath is um, mandates for us to get vaccinated, which is not a discussion anymore, but, you know, for a long time it was. And this fear-mongering of COVID when the handling of COVID is what really set us back as a society and as a culture. It really set us back, you know, us having like I remember when COVID was just just got out, there were news stations that held a ticket of how many deaths had since the rise of COVID, and how many hospitals has been affected um, that's been full to capacity because of COVID. It's like this whole thing took place. For us to see every day, oh my gosh, it's now 25 deaths in the state of Georgia. Yeah, so it's just MAGA all the way. (laughs) All the way. 
Anyway, so let's go ahead and there was something else I wanted to discuss. Um, shout out to Monique. So she won her lawsuit against Netflix. You guys remember a couple years ago, she filed a suit against Netflix saying that they were discriminated against her because she was a black woman and she was not received a respectable financial offer um, or compensation for her uh, release for um, a special on Netflix. And the lowball offer that they gave her was $500,000. And you guys remember when this took place, people were laughing like, okay, Monique, you should just go ahead and take that because they were trying to lowball her um, themselves by saying that she's not worth more than $500,000 and that she should just be happy that she even got $500,000 as an offer and is Monique relevant? All of that, like, very disrespectful jargon <laughs> that we were hearing a lot during this time. And it really speaks to the lack of respect that women get in fields like comedy, um, in fields that they're not as dominant in as they should be in some areas, in some respects. I don't think female comics, especially um, black female comic comics, stand-up comics get the respect that they deserve. And even though Monique has her accolades and her repertoire and her qualifications to earn more than $500,000, it is still not enough for Twitter. <laughs> Twitter got at her still. And um, I'm glad there's finally some news <laughs> that's attached to Monique that is victorious because, as you guys know, the latest scandal with her or just controversy with her included D.L. Hughley and her just roasting him, dragging him uh, with her words on stage when she felt like he played her from being the headliner on that Detroit show. And I think ultimately with that situation, it's um, a miscommunication matter from the promoter and it just led to misplaced anger towards D.L. Hughley. I know in later Instagram lives, Monique said that she had built in, I'm using my own words, but basically she describes her having some built up resentment against Dale Hughley. She references to one time when she was on his radio show, but he was absent. And on the radio show, um, the, the hosts then were asking her uh, or asked her, would you rather, or would you rather question? And they asked her, would you rather your husband sleep with Lee Daniels, who's a man, a gay man, or Corinne Steffens? And for those who may not know who Corinne Steffens is, she's known for being um, sexually provocative back in the day when hip-hop music videos was a big deal many years ago. And she also has the pen name of Superhead, because apparently she gives good head, allegedly. 
she no longer goes by that name actually she totally rebranded her her identity um i came across her instagram i'm like she looks awfully familiar but her name is different and um yeah corinne stephens was never her real name so <laughs> i'm sure you'll i don't know if you'll find her but like i don't know how i came oh, i came across her because she is actually a podcaster and she podcasts with some other guy who I see on other podcasts who I listen um uh, in which I listen to frequently so I just happened to come across her profile and so anyway her name is not Corinne Stephens that's not her real name so she goes by her real name now and totally rebranded herself like you don't see any ass shots on her um, on her profile, you don't see anything that is salacious. So, okay. <laughs> you know, anyway, the disrespect came because obviously with her sexual history of being pretty much for the streets and being tossed around, um, why would you ask a woman who is married to a man that question and because her husband is seen as not all the way straight this was even more disrespectful of a question to ask um but anyway Monique did not answer that question instead she was upset about it and she said how she better not have that segment released and that was one of the reasons why she felt this pent-up aggression towards Dale Hughley. She actually called him afterwards, told him, about, told him about what happened, and Dale Hughley was like, well, that's just how we do things, and she didn't like that. And so, like, I think there was other things that made her upset as well, and she just saw this as also an opportunity to just go ahead and lash out on him. So it's been years of pent-up resentment or just bitterness and anger against dear Hughley and for this headline situation to have happened it was just the the icing on the cake I feel like so either way <laughs> uh I'm happy that now there is some victory attached to Monique's name and I'm happy that she won this lawsuit it really shows that Netflix was not fair in presenting her with this lowball offer. And it also reveals that maybe in, I think also like Wanda, Wanda Sykes had a Netflix special and she accepted it, but the offer that she received also was not respectable enough in comparison to her male counterparts. Like why are, why are the men receiving more money for their stand-up comic um, stand-up comedy specials than the black female comics. Like, what's going on with that? And even with, like, Amy Schumer, for example. Amy Schumer, white woman, she's a woman, yes, but being that she's white, she earned or she was offered more money than Monique. So, what, like, you know, why is it like, why can't we all be offered at a particular scale that is more equitable? So... I'm happy that she won that. I don't know exactly what the details are and how much she won. But either way, I'm glad that she won it. And it really speaks to the fact that regardless of what other people think your worth is, you know your worth and you know how much you deserve as far as, you know, the, 
uh, the amount of work that you put in, the history in this business that you have, just stand in that. So I'm happy that she stood in that and she didn't falter or she didn't like succumb to people's um, critique against her and their audacity of of speaking to whether she's worth this amount or more. So shout out to her for getting that uh, lawsuit won. And I just hope from here on out <laughs> there's more good news attached to Monique because I really do like her. I do like her comedy. Um, I just don't like other ways and how she moves. I But I do wish her well. Same for D.L. Hughley, even though he's like a Democratic pawn. Um, I, I wish him well as well. <laughs> All right, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and end the episode here. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to share, like, and review this episode and share it with um, anyone around you, right? Um, also leave a review, leave a review, make sure you give me five stars and, um, I will check in with you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.